week, we started the book of Philippians, and we got through the first two verses. Sounds like we're going to be here for a while. I was thinking maybe 11 to 12 weeks, and it may take a tad bit longer. Uh, but we're looking at uh, the message is titled All In, Part 2. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Uh, last week, we looked at the, the starting of the church in Philippi, where Paul was on a second missionary journey, and how he was, he was trying to get down to Asia. And God says, no, I don't want you to go to Asia. And this, you can find this in Acts 15. And he says, okay, I want to go north to Bithynia. And God says, no, I don't want you to go there. He says, I want you to go west, young man. And so Paul, he starts traveling west. He gets to this little port in Troas. And then he crosses the sea and he gets to this, uh, this place of, in Macedonia because he has this vision at night that says, somebody's begging you, please come here to Macedonia and share the message with us. And so Paul goes there and you find that in Macedonia is this church in Philippi. While he's there, he meets some interesting people. He meets this, a wealthy woman named Lydia, who we believe was the, the starting point of the church in Philippi. He casts the demon out of this little girl, which lands him in prison. And then he, while he's in prison, the doors bust open and he finds himself face-to-face uh, -face with the Philippian jailer who wants to know what is the way of salvation. And he says, Acts 16, 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. This is the starting point of the church in Philippi. While he's there, uh, he, he, he's starting this church, he's trying to get the gospel out, but then he gets kicked out of that area, and he continues on this missionary journey, and he takes with him a young man by the name of Timothy. And he is, he's addressed in this letter, uh, ten years later, he fast forward that time of establishing the church in Philippi. Ten years later, we have him here today, and, and he's writing this letter to, Philipp, to the church of Philippi. And while he's, he's writing, we remember last week we talked about how Paul and Timothy, they were servants, they were bond servants of, of Christ Jesus. Not meaning that they had days off and they had moments where they could have time to themselves. That word is actually a slave. A slave is 24-7 under the control of the master. And they're saying, that's what we are. We are slaves of Christ Jesus. Not because we're something special, not because we are the ultimate goal, but he's saying, this is what we are, this is why we're doing what we're doing, and this is what you guys should be doing as well. And he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he calls them saints in Christ Jesus. That word saints is translated as holy. He says, you guys are holy. You guys are set apart. You guys are different. And you think about how Paul has... It's 10 years later. When he first met those people in Philippi, I don't think he probably would have described them as holy. He would have described them maybe as nice people, but he can look and see 10 years worth of growth, 10 years worth of progress, and say, this is what you guys were aiming at. This is what you guys were supposed to be. You guys are holy as, as God is holy, as, as you were set, uh, supposed to be. And we're going to look today that he finds joy in this church. It's, it's a letter that you don't really find anything negative in. There's like little tidbits of things to work on, a little bit of negative stuff. But this is a letter I think he's excited to write. He really loves these people. He really cares about them. So he's going to tell them, I remember you with joy. I love you, and I am praying for you. And we're going to look at what, why does he remember them with joy? What is it about them that makes him love them? And, and why, what is it exactly that he's praying for? But I want to pray again uh, for, this, for this message. God, I do thank you for this message. I thank you, God, for the chance to share this. And I just really, God, ask that you would you'd slow me down and that you would speak through me in a clear way. God, that we would understand uh, this joy that Paul had and, and to be the same way, uh, to have this partnership in the gospel, that we would be willing to change 
at the way that Paul is asking this church to change as well. But God, please just give me the words I need to say right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. It's on page three, sorry. We would be done right in a hurry if we'd started there. Uh, but Paul is telling them, I am thankful for you. Why is Paul thankful for them? Verse 5 says, I'm thankful for you because of your fellowship in the gospel. This fellowship is a participation. It's an active partnership. The church got involved and was backing up what Paul was trying to do. And this was not something that they just did lip services and, okay, Paul, you, you shared the message with us. You're going to go. We're going to back you up. Yeah, you go for it, brother Paul. We, we're behind you 100%. This was something that they physically got in, in, in line with. They, they had a special bond, a special relationship. They wanted to partnership. They wanted to be as much a part of Paul's ministry as they could. If you look in chapter uh, 4, verses 14 through 16, you find out that they financially supported Paul. It says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent me aid once and again for my necessities. He says, you guys are the, were the only church who started out financially supporting me uh, on my mission trip. And he says, that brings joy to me. I remember you guys aren't just... You guys are definitely with me. You guys are partnering with me to get the gospel out there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, you find that these guys were all in on what they did to support Paul. And I'm going to read it from the NIV. I just like the way it's, it's read. I feel like it's easier to understand. He says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, one of which was Philippi. He says, Out of the most severe trial... Their, uh, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. These guys didn't just say, okay, here's a couple bucks in order to help you. These guys said, we're going to sacrifice. We're going to, to give as much as we can, even more than we can really afford to give because we want to partnership with you. We want to back you, back you up as you do this. You share the message with us. We want to make sure that you're able to take this message and share it with the people going forward. They were invested in it, not just one time, but multiple times. Even if you go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, you find out that while Paul is in prison, they're, they're still supporting him. It says, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from you Epaphroditus, the things sent from you, a sweet-milling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So you find out in the very beginning, when Paul is first coming through Philippi, they said, here, take some money. We want to help you. While Paul's on his missionary journeys, like in Thessalonica, they're still sending support to him. Now, 10 years later, Paul's in prison, and they're still trying to partnership with him. They're, 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 they're really involved in what Paul wants to do. They are all in on what Paul is doing to try to share the gospel. And Paul is thankful for that. 
But Paul, you find in verse 6, he's also thankful, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Yes, that they're th- he's thankful that that work that God started, he's going to complete. But he's thankful to say, you know what? That gospel was started in you. You guys did put your faith in Jesus. Ten years later, I can see a difference in you. Like I, like I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, he, he calls them holy now, or probably when he first met them, he didn't see that. But he says, I can see where you guys have improved. You guys have grown in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now that you are holy, and he has great joy that the gospel took root and that it is transforming lives as they are going through through their history, through their, their time in Philippi. Uh, and Paul has great affection for these people. You find in, in verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, For God is my witness how greatly I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now that's not something you just say if you don't really mean it, right? Because you could say, with God is my witness, you know that God is watching, right? If God was to come down and back, and and stand there and try to defend Paul, he'd say, you know what, this guy does love you with the affection that I have. Whereas if, if I say, I'm not going to say if it's not true. If I hit your car, I'm not going to say, God is my witness that I did not hit your car. Because if God is my witness, then he's gonna, you're going to know that it was obviously that you hit this car. You're not going to say these things unless you really mean it. And he says, I, I love you with the affection of Christ Jesus. In the King James, it says, with the bowels like the innermost being, everything that you are on the inside. Paul says, I love you with that. We'd say, I love you with all my heart. He really genuinely loves and cares for these people. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. So you find in that one verse, he says, beloved, two different times. He really loves them. He says, you are my joy and my crown. You guys make me happy. When I hear, hear about how your faith is growing, how you guys are changing, you bring joy to my face. He says, you are my crown. You know, back in the day, they, the runners would run to get this little twig crown with feather, or not feathers, but uh, olive leaves and stuff. And that's what they were shooting for. If you won, you say, this is why I did it. Look at this. And the Olympics today, you get something a little bit better. You get the little gold uh medallion thank you good thing she can read my mind you get this little gold medallion say this is what it was worth it and paul's saying you know what you guys are my crown leading you people to the lord seeing the difference that god has made in your life that brings me joy it makes me long to see you he says this is what makes it all worthwhile he finds joy in these people he loves these people so he says i'm going to pray for you verses 9 through 11 Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. He says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This church is determined to, to demonstrate this. They, they love Paul and they're determined to, to show it. And Paul says, I still want you to abound in love. I want it to increase more and more. You know, there's a certain amount of, of love that these, these people have. And, but they, he says, that's good. But he says, I don't want you to have this love. Uh, there, there, he's saying, there's never a point where you can tell or that you guys have loved enough. Right? That's what Paul's telling them. You guys love me. 
You guys love the Lord. You guys love the lost, but you have not yet arrived. There's not a point where you can say, I have loved enough. He says, I want it to increase. I, I know it rained a lot this week, and I know some creeks probably overflowed a little bit. Did it, right, anybody? Yeah, okay. And Paul's saying, that's what I want it to do. I want it to abound. I want it to overflow. I got to thinking about this in, in terms of camp. Uh, Noah's going to be at camp, and I don't know if he'll probably do this. He'll probably see this. But one of the things that I used to do when I was a kid that was fun at camp was you, you'd walk around with a pitcher of juice or water, and you say, who wants some more? And then it, people were like, oh, yeah, I'll take some more. So you'd fill it up and then say, okay, that's enough. And you just keep adding it and adding it until it's completely to the brim. And then you'd add just a little bit more. So it has like this dome look to it. Did you ever do that? that? Camp is one of the great things to do. And he says, that's not enough. He says, I want you to take that whole picture and go like this. I want it to overflow. I want that love in your life for the Lord to overflow. I want it to overflow uh, for your fellow brothers in Christ, for the church, for, for the people that you come in contact with. And that's a tall order, right? You're supposed to increase in love. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, first of all, love is not a feeling. It's an act of your will. It's something that you choose to do. But still, it's hard to increase in love so that it's going to overflow that, that cup at camp, right? It's going to be hard to do. He says, here's how you do it. He says, your love will abound more in knowledge. He's saying the more that you know from what Scripture says, the more you're going to love. And it, you just are going to have to trust me. You're just going to have to try this. The more you read what Scripture says and you recognize how patient God is, how much God loves has for the people, the stories of, of parents showing love to their kids are all throughout Scriptures. And the more you read it, the more God starts to speak to you and say, this is the kind of love you recognize, okay, God did this. I need to do this too. And so that uh, the, more, so the more you know about Scripture, the more you know about God's love, the more you say, okay, I'm going to do this also. But you're also learning what does true love look like. I mean, we all know what, that love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. But as you, you read through Scripture, you start to see it played out in people's lives, and you say, okay, I can do that too. But Paul doesn't want you just to have love. He doesn't want you to just have this mushy-gushy feeling. He wants you to be able to practically use it in the right way. So he says, the more you know from Scripture, the more discernment you're, you're going to have in order to use it. Uh, you think about someone who needs patience in their life. Or the, and it's like, okay, I know, I know I'm supposed to have patience with my kids. Um, I know, and so, but I'm feeling kind of dry. I'm feeling like, boy, I really just don't have the patience that I need. I'm going to start reading what the scriptures say. It says that it's patient. Okay, well, great. Love is patient. I know the definition of the word, but what does that really look like? Discernment from, from what God teaches in his word is going to help you to understand, well, maybe this time my kid deserves a spanking. Maybe this kid just deter, de, de, needs time away from, from his parents in his room. Maybe he needs to lose some kind of special privilege that he was going to get. But Paul said, I want you guys to grow in this love. I want you guys to grow in knowledge, and then you will increase in the best way to use this knowledge. So he says, I want your love to abound more and more in knowledge and more in discernment so that you can determine the things that are excellent. We all know what is good. We all know what is better. We all know what is best. If you're going on a trip, Steve gets out his little GPS. He's telling me about going to uh, Billings. He got this new route on his phone to get to some place, and it's like, why is it picking that place? It's not because it's a good option. It's because somebody has determined it's the best option. You have, the, you have a good way to cook cookies. 
There's a better way to cook cookies. There's the best way to cook cookies. There's probably a good way to feed your calves. And there's a better way to feed your calves. But there, you've already determined, ranchers, right? There is the best way to do this. You already know. And the same way comes with love, showing love is there is a good way, a better way, and there is the best way to do this. So Paul's praying that you abound in love, that you abound in knowledge so that you can love and so that you can determine the best way to show that love. Part two of this is that he prays that they would be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ Jesus. When Paul's talking about being sincere, he's talking about without wax. Uh, he's using the word this, that means that which is judged in the sunlight. Put all that together, you might be thinking like I did, like what in the world does that mean? Well, back in the day, they had pottery, and that's the kind of pottery that they find archaeology. They always find pottery. They find some thick stuff, and that's the cheap stuff. If you wanted the good stuff, you wanted the really thin stuff. And as you make it and as you heat it, a lot of times it was so fragile it would crack. And so the, the honest people who were selling that would throw it away. The dishonest people would say, I know what to do about this. I'm going to take some wax and I'm going to fill in all the cracks and so you cannot see it. It looks perfect. I'm going to get out my little handy-dandy paintbrush and I'm going to start painting this vase. And to the naked eye like mine, it's going to look like, wow, that's a famous uh, piece of, that's worth all the money that they're asking for. But somebody who knows what they're doing is going to take this pottery and they're going to put it up to the sunlight. What is that sunlight going to do? It's going to show all the cracks running through that and that how dishonest those people were. And Paul is saying, you guys are like this vase. You guys obviously are not going to be perfect because you're human. You have cracks in it. But he's saying is, I don't, I don't want you to, to, to fill in all those cracks in your life. I mean, it's not, he's not saying you've got to go blab all your sins and everything you've done wrong with everybody so that you can be completely transparent. He's saying, I don't want you to walk around in, in one sense and be like, I'm living for the Lord, but really I'm being dishonest. I'm being hypocritical because that's what this vase was. It was hypocritical. It was looking like something that it wasn't. And Paul is saying, I want you guys to be sincere. Yes, you're going to have flaws, but I want you to be sincere. I don't want you to walk around as if you're living for the Lord when at this point you're really not. He says, I don't want you to sin. I'm praying that you don't sin. And I'm praying that you don't lead other people into sin. And then he's praying that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. You, the fruit of righteousness, uh, what might come to mind is Galatians 5, to 23. The fruit of this spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's part of it. That's part of having the spirit live his life through you. And you'll be demonstrating these qualities. But that's not all there is to it. There's also the fruit meaning uh, the external acts of kindness and service that Paul is saying, this, I want this to abound. I want this to overflow in your life. Examples such as helping the poor. Paul is saying, you know, care for the hungry. Visit the sick or the shut-in. Do whatever kind of household chores you can do for other people. But there are physical, tangible acts of service that they can do for, for, their, for other people. And it was all accomplished to the praise and to the glory of God. And that's an awful lot. Uh, of what Paul is thankful for, or how Paul loves them, and about how Paul is praying for them. And I want to look for just a, mo a moment and see what does this have to do with us, the application part of this. You know, Paul was praying, or was talking to the Philippians church, and he was thankful for them because they were partnershiping with him in the gospel. They weren't just giving lip service. They weren't just saying, yeah, if you want to go do that, you go do that. They said, we are, want to get on board with you. 
we can't go with you, but we want to do the very next best thing, and we want to financially support you. And we need to do the same thing. We need to partnership with people in the gospel. You know, you think about the missionaries that go off to, to foxes, right? We're, we're partnershiping with them in the gospel. You think of uh, Paul Ewing. We're partnershiping with him. We're, we're financially supporting them. And so that's something positive that we're doing. We are doing one thing that Paul has asked us to do. And I, I bet the foxes, they really appreciate that. You know, the Ewings, they really appreciate that because they say, you guys are really all in on this with me. You're not just expecting me to be out there all on my own. You know, but there's more things that we could do besides just give them a check. You know, there's care packages. I know in the, the fall, uh, Anita gets, this, gets all this care package stuff and sends that off on the way. Uh, we can send them cards. We can send them emails. We can remind them that we are with, the, with them in this journey. But we can also partnership with people in this church. Uh, and it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter the status of your checkbook. It doesn't matter uh, your physical abilities or what your Bible knowledge is. Uh, one of, one of the, the verses in 2 Corinthians 8, we talked about how the Philippian church gave until it hurt, even beyond what their ability was. Paul was talking to the Corinthian church after that. And he said, he's kind of like saying, you know what? It's not, it doesn't really matter what you give. It's just that you're doing something. It says, uh, for 2 Corinthians 8.12, it says, For if the willingness is there, so if you have the desire to give, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. So if you say, I don't have any money, but I have a dollar, that's enough. If you say, I don't really have much Bible knowledge, but I can teach a little bit, that's good. I mean, you can increase in these things, but it, it's not based off of what you give. It's just having that desire, and the willingness is a blessing to God, uh, based off of what you have the desire to do and what you do with that instead of what somebody else is doing. So we are called to partnership and fellowship with those in the, in the gospel. And I think about the people in this church, and, you know, it's really not that hard to come along somebody and say, okay, how can I partnership with you in the gospel? You know what? I'm not coming to Awana. There's no way I'm going to get on the floor with those kids. There's no way I'm going to play games. There's no way I'm going to learn those verses. But how can I support you in this? Well, there's people who do that. You think about the Awana store. People who have nothing to do with the want to say, okay, I will help supply from the want store. But just ask somebody, you have a Sunday school teacher, I can't do this, but what can I do to help you? What can I do to encourage you and partnership with them? Don't make the Sunday school teachers feel like they're all alone. Don't make the Awana teachers feel like they're all alone. Don't make anybody who's doing anything in this church try to partnership with them one way or another. Like I said, it doesn't matter what you can do. It's just see what you Offer to try to, to help them. Partnership with the people in this church the same way you partnership with people around the country. And then Paul prays that their love would abound more and more in knowledge and discernment that they may approve of the things that are excellent. Here's an embarrassing question. It's going to be taken the wrong way. I'm really sorry. But how is your love life? And I'm, not, I'm talking about how is your love life for the Lord? How is your love life for your, your kids? How's your love like for your honorary boss or your, the coworkers that you can't stand? How is, do you feel like I'm really running low on love? I really am struggling to really want to show anything to these people. Do you know how to solve that? Well, you got to be willing to do it. I mean, because it says, like we discussed, love is not a feeling. It's an act of your will. Jesus, when he came to the cross, wasn't all giddy and excited and said, wow, I just love people. Let me just get on the cross and die for them. Right? He says, this is what... He recognized Josh cannot do it on his own. So he says, okay, I'm going to do it for him. 
But it, so how do I grow and increase in love? I said, I got to get into Scripture and see how does God love? And it's just one of those things. I know that uh, reading through it at first, it's like, okay, this is boring. I don't really see this. I'm not getting certain things out of it. But the more you read, and you're, especially through the Old Testament, you see how patient God is, how over and over again he did not destroy the people of Israel. He gave them chance after chance after chance. And you'll see how great God's love is and how much he really cares for these people. And it will help you to love your wife better. It will help you to love your kids better. It will help you to love the lost out there better based off of seeing what God's love is, what his love is like. How does he describe love? I'm supposed to just choose to do these things? What does that look like? I'm supposed to choose to be patient. You get in that situation, you take a deep breath. Okay, I'm supposed to be patient one more time. God, please help me to do that. And then he's going to give you the discernment how best to show that patience. So if you're lo running low on your love life for, for the, the world around you, get in God's word and it will increase that. Paul prays that they wouldn't be hypocritical, that they wouldn't be like this vase with the cracks that are all hiding. Well, guess what? You and I shouldn't be hypocritical either. The, the way that I am at work is the same way I should be in church. The way I am around unsaved people should be the same way I am around saved people. There should just be a continuous flow of I'm living for the Lord, that I'm supposed to be holy at home in my bedroom. I'm supposed to be at holy at work. I'm supposed to be holy in, with my family. Whatever, the, whatever areas of life you find yourself in, it should be consistent. Paul prays for that. We should pray that for each other. You can pray that for me, that I will be holy, and I'll pray that for you, that you will be holy as well. And the fourth thing is that we should be filled with the fruit of righteousness. The Holy Spirit should be just overactive of showing love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, just pouring out of our lives. But we also be, should be choosing to do what, uh, to show acts of kindness, uh, external acts of kindness and service for each other, for the lost out there, for anybody that we come in contact with. We should be sharing the gospel. That's an example. We should be helping our neighbors with whatever they're doing. Uh, we should love our enemies. You know, I saw you know, somebody who was working on a pickup in the winter, this winter. It was cold outside, and they're, they're trying to do something. Well, and then somebody just came over and was trying to, trying to support them, trying to help them to stand in the cold with them in order to, to be a... Uh, in order to try to reach out to that person. It's, it's an external act of kindness that isn't really doing anything except for just being there. And so sometimes that might be what you're doing. It's just being there for somebody through a loss, through a tough time, through, uh, through a lonely time. Um, but it, whatever it is, if it's making a meal for somebody, if it's helping someone out with a uh, hay crop, you know, whatever you find to do, whatever God places on your heart, there should be external acts of kindness overflowing from us. So, the Philippian church, they were all in. They were all in on, on, on trying to support Paul. They were all in on trying to live out their faith. And Paul is excited for these people. And he, he's praying for these people and he loves these people. And I just want to challenge us as a church to be the same kind of church as the Philippian church. And I'm going to pray and ask God to help me to do these things. And, and anybody that wants that, I'm going to pray for you as well that God would help you to abound in love, to have the desire to uh, reach out to the world around you to, to grow in his knowledge and, and to live out your faith. I'm just going to pray for this in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for the gospel that you gave us. God, I thank you that Paul was willing to get out there 
day by day to share the gospel. And I thank you for this Philippian church that they were willing to partnership in the gospel, that they, were, they weren't just giving him lip service, but they were trying to support him each and every way that they possibly could, and that they were a church that was growing to become more holy. God, and I just, I, I know that they were increasing in love, that they were trying to not be hypocritical, and that they needed to bear fruit. And God, I just pray that we would be a church just like this Philippian church, that we would partnership with the missionaries, that we'd partnership with those in this church that are doing ministry, that we would um, abound in love for each other, abound in love for you and for the lost. That God, you give us a desire to know what your word says, the ability to understand it and to live it out, God. I pray that we would not be hypocritical in the way we act uh, in, in different situations over life. And God, I pray that you help us to bear fruit, good fruit, lots of fruit, lots of different varieties of fruit, that would demonstrate your love and your goodness all for the praise and the glory of God. I pray for myself, God, that you would help me to, to improve on this. And God, for anybody in here who wants to do that as well, I pray that you would bless them and help them to do that too. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.